Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the weekly Parkinson's Recovery Radio Program. This is Robert Rogers, and this is the place to be, to be able to get information, support, and resources in order to be able to get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Do you happen to have a swallowing problem? If you do, I'm sure you're probably going to be listening to this entire show because I am privileged to host the authors of a just-published book entitled Swallow Safely. Dr. Roya Sayede and Dr. Joel Herkiewicz have done an incredible job of writing a book that can help anyone who indeed has a swallowing problem. But I want to say more about that because you're probably thinking, oh, I don't have a swallowing problem. I don't need to listen to this program. Listen to this. Do you frequently cough during meal times? Do you have tearing of your eyes or a runny nose while you eat? Do you have a change in your voice after eating? Any of these could be life-threatening. Let me say that again, life-threatening. And you, too, may have a swallowing problem and may not know it. So I suggest that it may be advisable for anyone who suspects that they may have swallowing challenges to listen to this incredible and insightful interview with two people who are, by far, the experts on everything there is to know about swallowing and how swallowing can cause significant difficulties with our health. You've just joined Parkinson's Recovery, and my very special guests today are Drs. Roya Sayede and Joel Hershkowicz. I want to first introduce Dr. Hershkowicz, who is a graduate of Princeton University and the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, a board-certified pediatric neurologist. He's on the faculty of the Boston University School of Medicine. Tell us about yourself. How is it that you became interested in the subject of swallowing? Well, first of all, it's it, it, delightful to be speaking with you, Robert, and, and with your listeners. Um, we, we welcome the opportunity to share our experiences and our knowledge. I am a doctor. I'm an MD, but I got here through a somewhat devious, uh, circuitous path. I uh, majored in music at Princeton and uh, took the pre-medical courses on the side. And uh, things didn't get much clearer in medical school because I was waffling between psychiatry and neurology and pediatrics. And uh, uh, the long and the short of it is uh, I have found a niche for myself in the area of pediatric neurology. Now, um, as, as part of being a board-certified pediatric neurologist. I was also trained in the area of adult neurology. And, um, of course, my patients that I'm following, many of them have become young adults, and that's quite a thrill for me. So I have a lot of experience with uh, adults, adult neurology. And um, I'm married to Roya, and I knew that she was a speech-language pathologist, and I assumed, as everybody does, that uh, she sees stroke patients who have difficulties with their language and communication problems. Lo and behold, uh, when we informally and confidentially uh, touch upon 
some of the clinical situations uh, that, that she encounters, one person after another had swallowing problems. And of course, many persons have uh, Parkinson's disease and many have Alzheimer's disease and many have stroke and many have different types of cancer. But an incredibly common theme uh, kept drifting through uh, our, our discussions, and that was swallowing. And uh, I'm a neurologist. I encounter those issues and uh, have been trained in that, and I found that I had uh, forgotten uh, almost everything, and uh, I was very, very stimulated uh, by uh, the, the, the problems that Roya was seeing, and I wanted to learn more. And uh, soon, soon after I had uh, uh, met Roya, uh, about 20 years ago, she mentioned uh, a, a, an esteemed professor named Jerry, a woman, Jerry, J-E-R-I, Logeman, uh, who is a professor at, at Northwestern University and Medical School as being the just a top, top person in swallowing. And... Um, so uh, I've had occasion to, to learn from Dr. Logeman's classic books, but I've learned most most of what I know from Roya, and it's been tremendously tremendously stimulating to to have this uh, 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 part of our relationship on a subject of great importance, swallowing. What we what we recognize is, is that um, uh, there seemed to be a knowledge gap when it uh, comes to swallowing. And how is this knowledge gap apparent? Well, it, it seemed to be that the uh, patients did not always understand why they were being asked to pursue a particular treatment. Um, the families who were often involved in caregiving uh, very often did not understand as well wh why the treatment plan involved, for example, a, a, a thickened liquid or a pureed food or a particular exercise or breathing uh, exercise. So as a result, uh, uh, quote unquote, poor compliance reared its unfortunate ugly head. And um, Royo was saying one day, I just wish I had something available for these patients and for their families. They want so much to be able to, to do the right thing and to help their loved one, but, but nothing is out there. And uh, that, of course, uh, got my creative juices flowing. And uh, we decided to write a book not for doctors. <laughs> <laughs> we decided to write a book for uh, the people out there who were experiencing the problems and their loving family members. and. Uh, it's been a fantastic journey. It's just not much over a year. Uh, we've gone from concept to book in hand, and um, it's tremendously exciting. I've learned a lot. Uh, everybody who has put their hands and their eyeballs on the book have learned a lot and found it uh, very accessible, not hyper-technical, and they come away with many aha moments. I didn't know that, and uh, that's what we're striving for. Your co-author and wife, Roya Sayadeh, is a graduate of the Iran University of Medical Sciences in Tehran. She received her Ph.D. degree from Michigan State University 
in neurogenic communication disorders. Tell us about yourself, Roya. How is it that you became interested in the subject of swallowing? Um, uh, greetings to um, your uh, your uh, listeners, Robert, and and much for this um, uh, opportunity. I um, started my studying um, in speech language pathology and um, have never strayed from it. <laughs> my undergraduate, my um, uh, graduate and my doctoral program. And um, as part of speech and language pathology, there is a, uh, an area that we study which is uh, uh, neurological disorders. And um, swallowing disorders, um, I, I, I became interested when I started um, going deeper into um, in, into um, uh, neurologic disorders with movement disorders, and there are various neurologic disorders, but the ones with movement disorders, and um, at that time I became extremely interested in um, swallowing disorders, and um, um, uh, I was uh, introduced by um, actually Dr. Fulton at um, Eastern Michigan University to, to Jerry Logeman through my through, through Dr. Fulton, I mm, learned about this uh, um, scientist and clinician, Jerry Logerman, who, had, who has uh, um, done amazing work in swallowing disorders. Uh, she's, uh, she's a pioneer in, in this area, and uh, she has contributed her life to this. I became interested in swallowing disorders for two reasons. One was that my father had that problem. So uh, at home, uh, I observed what was going on, um, sort of, you know, uh, the, from, from the standpoint of the family, what the family goes through. That was one, one reason, very personal. And, and then also, and I was always very interested in um, uh, scientific uh, aspects. Um, so that's how I uh, started um, delving into the topic and um, and continued um, studying it. Uh, I had the honor and opportunity to work with um, patients, uh, individuals who have uh, swallowing problems from different uh, diseases and, and problems, and uh, and I've learned uh, a lot from them by working with them. I'm going to jump in here. Uh, one of the things that Roya has told me is that uh, she'll go uh, to see a new family, and uh, uh, they've, they've been informed that a speech pathologist is going to be seeing them, and the first thing they say by phone when Roya is making the appointment, because she sees patients in their homes, is, but I don't have a speech problem. <laughs> And and that that that's that's where that's you know a, a little bit of explanation is in order why speech language pathologists and by the way one will often hear the expression SLP is kind of a shorthand so what, why a speech pathologist for for my mother you didn't have a speech problem and especially if I'm working 
with adults, which um, I'm mostly working with adults, uh, even the individual who is afflicted with a problem has uh, even a deeper difficulty because, you know, they they are, they have a lot of limitations, they have lost a lot of control, and then suddenly someone with the title of speech-language pathologist or speech therapist is going to see them, and all they remember in what is, uh, is the school time that you had to get out and work on your lisp. Uh. And, and, uh, and then um, that's, um, you know, with everything that people have to go through, it's uh, 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 emotionally, it's pretty tough. Uh, that's an important subject. And, and of course, from a, excuse me, from a neurologic standpoint, of course, it turns out that the apparatus, the muscles and the tubes and the pipes and the nerves that we use for speaking, namely the throat and related structures and the lungs and the breathing and the belly are very much tied in with swallowing. So it's a really, really cool overlay of the speaking system, the apparatus for that, and uh, the um, uh, swallowing system. Exactly. Um, it, it, it was not a, an accident for speech and language pathology to uh, get into this field. Um, it is, mm, we are using this system of muscular system, the uh, digestive system, the uh, respiratory system, the nervous system, the cognitive system, thinking system. They, we are using these first for survival reasons, one being eating and swallowing and nutrition and uh, taking the air in, but in the meantime, once all of that is taken care of, then we also use the same system for communicating. So it is not an accident that um, speech-language pathology is involved in, in this um, function of the body. A, a couple of points, and, and, and this is extremely relevant to Parkinson's disease. As Roy was emphasizing, we have the apparatus for speech, and we have the apparatus for swallowing. And uh, with Parkinson's disease, there are, there are problems with both. And uh, people think about an overall slowness of movement. Uh, there is, and Roya knows this on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis better than I do because she's in the homes of people, but swallowing is a tremendous issue with Parkinson's disease. And often uh, it happens that I'm called for um, working with an individual, uh, for example, on, um, on the volume of the voice. You know, people are more concerned about that or um, on um, helping with the speech to become more clear so they can communicate their needs and thoughts uh, with their loved ones and can have... Uh, good quality of life, which they do deserve. But uh, deep down in my own heart, uh, I'm constantly thinking that, okay, how can I teach uh, uh, this individual and their family that there is something else that I'm very concerned, and I would love for you to know about it before um, 
before a problem arises. So you will be prepared. So you will work um, on the problem. So, and and that is the swallowing, you know. Um, and getting getting into some of the particulars, uh, the slowness of eating in many persons with Parkinson's disease makes getting in adequate calories a, a challenge, and it makes so that people can become malnourished, and if they're weakened, uh, then they are less able to fight off illnesses like pneumonia. The overall slowness can make it difficult to get in adequate uh, uh, liquids for hydration, and of course, we all know you dehydrate, particularly an ill elderly person, and the next thing you know, they're they're confused and they really, really look as if they've lost it and are demented, and it makes things even more anxiety provoking. And uh, then, then there are the issues that because things have slowed down. Food or liquid can remain in the back of the throat, and with the next breath, that can be inhaled into the lungs. That inhaling into the lungs is called aspiration, and if a person has a weak cough, they cannot get rid of that material. It goes down deep into their lungs, and very often it, it creates a bacterial infection that bacterial infection is called pneumonia, and unfortunately, that can be a slippery slope towards a person's death. Um, one other swallowing problem that creates a tremendous amount of anxiety, and we, go, we devote an entire chapter to this problem in our book, and that is the problem of choking. And by choking, I don't mean coughing or sputtering a little bit because something is tickling the throat. Choking, uh, in the way that we use it, is the result of blocking the airway, and that can be from a clump of food in the throat, or it can actually get into the trachea, the windpipe. And as we all know, if that happens, you have a minute or two or three to get that out, um, or the person's going to die. Uh, you can call 911, and, and we, we don't say not to do it, but if you wait five or ten minutes for an ambulance your loved one will be dead and that's why we talk in considerable detail in our book about using the Heimlich maneuver when do you use the Heimlich maneuver when do you hold off and I would just say that you should uh, read the book you should check with your trusted uh, uh, CPR uh, teachers and doctors but if a person can talk or uh, they can cough then they are probably not at that, they're almost certainly not in need of the Heimlich maneuver. But if they're changing color, if they cannot produce any sounds, uh, then you need to get ready to do that Heimlich maneuver and you need to know how to do it. We'll be right back with Swallow Safely authors Dr. Sayede and Herskowitz after this short break. You can purchase a copy of Swallow Safely by clicking on the link that you'll find on the radio program page. It'll take you straight to the Amazon page where you can actually purchase a copy of Swallow Safely for the modest price of $14.95. I believe that the information in this book can literally save your life. 
Uh, Roya and Joel, Joel were kind enough to send me a copy of their book. I have reviewed their book. It is packed full of incredibly rich and helpful information that literally, I know this may sound like an exaggeration, literally can, I believe, save your life. A primary reason why individuals with the symptoms of Parkinson's lose their lives is because of pneumonia. So the question I would like to raise is, why do people with Parkinson's symptoms so often get pneumonia that can't be effectively treated? The answer, as you can listen to their discussion, turns on swallowing difficulties. The food gets caught into the lungs. It then creates bacterial infections that leads to pneumonia. So a way to uh, prevent pneumonia is clearly to begin to address ways to swallow safely. So again, you'll find a link on Amazon on the radio program page, or of course you can go directly to the Amazon website, type in the two words, swallow safely, and you'll be able to find a listing of the book there. Parkinson's Recovery will be in San Diego, California. It's our one jumpstart to wellness event for 2010, October the 18th through October the 20th. It's a transformative experience that will help anyone interested in finding ways to get good relief from their symptoms. So please consider joining us. You can get information about Jumpstart the Program by going to the main website. That's parkinsonsrecovery.com. You'll see a simple link on the main page there to Jumpstart to Wellness. Click on that, and you'll get all the details about how you can sign up and join us for our live in the flesh Jumpstart to Wellness program for 2010 in San Diego, California. Now back to Joel and to Roya. Tell us, if you could, some about the swallowing difficulties and problems people with the symptoms of Parkinson's have. That's a very good question. Um, often when um, people um, are given the, the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, um, they have experienced um, some movement problems, some movement um, limitations, um, some cognitive problems perhaps. Um, and, um, it, you know, people naturally, we, we know we're all human, and we think of the good things and also our mind goes um, in, and digs about all the bad things that might come down the line. I, uh, Joel and I, we, when we wrote this book, we did not have the plan to terrify people about anything. The spirit of this book is to, um, to, bring, to bring out the positives that exist in the field um, of caring. Having said that, um, often people don't think even that um, there might be a swallowing problem. Or if they think of it, they might think that um, it's way down the line and it's not necessary to think about it now or address it now or manage it now or, or educate ourselves about it now. Or they think it's going to go away. <laughs> right. And that's, that's good, too. And, you know, people with a good heart that they have 
and the trust that they they have in in the uh, uh, you know advancement of medicine, rightfully so. Um, put uh, all the trust in whatever that is available, and they think that it would you know they don't think about swallowing problems. In general, uh, general characteristics of swallowing problems. Very, very simple one is that someone might say, oh, food doesn't go down, um, or it catches, or um, it sticks to in, in my throat, or um, I cough, or um, something that often happens or might happen is that, you know, someone might have um, um, a runny nose. Uh, and people think, oh, it's allergy. But when, but when the runny nose occurs in the context of eating and not other times, that is the super-duper clue that it may actually be a reflex runny nose related to a swallowing issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this can happen with different food types, which we call it consistency. You know, sometimes with the water or juice it happens, but uh, I don't know with some something else it doesn't if, if they're having their um, uh, their yogurt so it is so random and it's so unclear when it happens what it happens that people um, tend to just say okay no I have so many problems this is one of those and it's not a big deal let me not bring it up one of the things that that eating can bring out and I found this particularly fascinating is that a change in voice after uh, finishing a meal can signify a swallowing problem. That actually is the result of food or liquid getting past the safety mechanism, the swallowing safety net. And, and hanging on the vocal folds yeah, right. and, and you <laughs> changing the vocal fold, uh, voice quality. Or it doesn't have to be after the meal is over, right after the, the person swallows, and then uh, you say, oh, you know, was the food good? Did you like it? And then the person, y- you hear a gargling <laughs> voice. And, and we always think, okay, you know, oh, Dad, come on, uh, or, you know, um, swallow, or, or, you know, we don't think much of it. But these are all um, warning signs. I'm going to jump in and say that sometimes you can suspect a swallowing problem not from what the patient or or your loved one complains of, but if you're participating in feeding and you're sitting on the edge of your seat waiting to do a Heimlich maneuver because the food is not going down and there have been previous choking incidents, don't wait for a terminal choking incident. Get help. Exactly. So these signs and symptoms, they can, they can be um, uh, present, and uh, people gracefully accept them. My uh, father-in-law, <laughs> Dr. Erwin Herskowitz, um, he, um, he always coughed, and, um, and uh, he always had his handkerchief um, ready during meals, you know, that he was inviting us to go to a restaurant <laughs> paying our, <laughs> for our um, dinner and uh, lunch, and then in the meantime, <laughs> he always had his handkerchief available 
after every two, three bites, you know, he would cough and choke, and, and he never complained. And uh, I always used to say to Joel, and I, I'm worried. And um, um, finally, you know, one day when he agreed to um, uh, read, review, and uh, edit our book, <laughs> he, he jokingly said, I didn't know I had swollen. <laughs> That's a great story. Uh, so it that's uh, so those are general problems, general signs and symptoms. But in Parkinson's disease, in particular, um, uh, the same symptoms, movement uh, problems that we see, you know, the pill rolling or the rigid walk, um, that that can be translated into the uh, you know the muscular system of the. Um, oral and speech um, um, system. Um, so, if we, when we talk about swallowing, it's not just a one-stop uh, uh, process. It has uh, multiple phases. So, the very first phase, the very first stage, is when we, uh, you know, put the food in our mouth. And when we put the food in our mouth many um, muscular activities uh, occur, which um, we are granted with this gift that uh, the activity is um, normally um, automatic, we, so we don't have to think about it, you know, that we are changing shift, we, you know, the tongue goes here, the front goes up, um, the back goes up, um, the food uh, is turned into a nice ball that doesn't leak out of our tongue into the in between our tongue and cheek or from uh, in between the gums and um, the cheek. We don't think about these. Um, but finally when that food is turned into a ball, then now the back of the tongue has to come down so the food will get to the throat, to the back of the mouth. But in Parkinson's disease, it doesn't because of the, the general rigidity that uh, is there. So what happens is that the ball of food goes and hits the back of the tongue, and now here we have this ball gets rolled back to the front. Hmm. So then the tip of the tongue, okay, brings it back. Now the back of the tongue doesn't go down because of that uh, rigid muscle. So what happens, boom, goes back again to the front. Yeah, you're saying it's almost like ping pong. Yeah. So this Amazing. Is, um, so until, luckily, you know, in one of these efforts, that um, rigidity, you know, uh, will uh, allow, you know, will, will give the person a chance so the food will hit the back of the mouth, the throat area, you know, the border between the back of the mouth and the throat. Now here, um, the food doesn't go down on its own. There's a reflex, a very complex and beautiful reflex that um, occurs, and that reflex is as the result of the body giving the information um, to the, uh, the rest of um, the systems that be on call, something is coming down. So the brain is giving the information, be on call, something is coming down, and um, 
that means that, okay, respiratory system, could you please for a second hold and, uh, and um, close all the gates because um, something is coming down that is not air. You know, the when we say respiratory system, we usually think of the lungs and the trach. You know, um, we, uh, however, the respiratory system is from the tip of our nose to the bottom of our lungs. So um, w the same system that um, the upper respiratory system that um, is involved for breathing, it's, it's also involved for eating. So when the food is going down, the brain is saying, close, please close, because only the air must go into the lungs, not nothing else. So that reflex um, occurs and um, closes all the gates that have to get closed, and it begins a, um, a wave-like movement that assists the food going down. Um, this is the wave-like movement of the muscles. Often, at the beginning, the, there's a problem with the tongue bringing the food back to the back of the mouth, and then you know, the uh, reflex occurs, but then that wave-like movement is not um, efficient and effective. So the food stays in the throat, just like what Joel was saying originally. And um, so, you know, you have a little bit of a food um, stuck there. It's there, you know, what can you do? And often people even don't notice it. The second bite comes. The third bite comes, and um, there will be a time that um, it's too much now. And then when we're talking about um, lack of coordination, rigidity, um, even when we talk about lack of coordination, you know, we this is a dance between breathing and swallowing, and for the body, the air is more important. So um, there are so many... Um, calculations that have to occur and um, this this dance goes into an incoordinated uh, manner plus a lot of rigidity and um, it, it, there might be an occasion that with all this um, uh, residue in the in the pharynx in in the upper part of um, um, the, the throat, you know, when this food can go down past the vocal folds, past what we call the voice box, the larynx, and down into the lungs. Now, again, you know, we, we say the voice box. Where is it? It's part of the, you know, we, we say the voice box where we have, um, um, you know, the ability to create voice and uh, sing or speak, uh, speak, we never think of it as, um, you know, a part of the swallowing system, but it is. It is, uh, um, you know, this is a, larynx is a place that closes off when the food comes. It's like what Joe was saying, that um, it has to, the person has to have a efficient and effective cough. You know, that's, that cough is... Uh, not again an accident. It's a gift of the body, gift of life to um, clear um, 
the lungs from whatever that um, uh, comes to it, and it starts it starts there, you know, with uh, the activity of the air and the lungs and and the vocal folds and the larynx. When it goes past the larynx down, then um, you either have to have a very, very, very good cough to get rid of it, or you just have to accept that it went down, and uh, nothing, nothing other than the air should go down uh, into the lungs. It's a perfect place for any living thing to live. Um, there's blood, there's air, and um, there's dampness, and there's... Uh, no um, light, so that's where you know um, germs can can do whatever they like to do. Spe- speaking of germs, I want to bring something out that people may not realize. Um, all of us, I hope, uh, go to the dentist from time to time and have our teeth cleaned, and I think of it as, oh, it's cosmetic, it's cosmetic, you know, no big deal. Well, it turns out it is a big deal and particularly with older persons and particularly with persons with Parkinson's disease. If you're not swallowing and you may have some teeth missing and some dentures that are sitting there and you don't get your teeth brushed all that regularly, then bacteria are going to take up residence in your mouth. And if you have any of these incoordination swallowing problems, you will suck saliva that's teeming with bacteria into your lungs and that and get the pneumonia that Roy was talking about now we're not saying this to freak people out what we're saying is that toothbrushing regular oral care is meaningful it's not just time wasting it's it's not it's very important and 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 it should be done two to three times a day with with the toothbrushing of teeth or dentures and a person should have the benefit of regular uh, dental cleaning and regular dental care. In other words, oral care counts. Exactly, exactly. And be um, be uh, aware of um, the l- liquids that you use to uh, to rinse your mouth. Um, be aware of the ingredients and uh, uh, make sure that um, it's the right. Um, uh, rinse for you. Mm-hmm. Alcohol can be a real drying agent in that circumstance. Exactly, and uh, if you read uh, the the ingredients in different mouthwashes, um, then you can you can see the level of alcohol in them. I we personally we ourselves we use we we try to go with with something with no alcohol. Well, I wanted to make a, a general principle that. Um, there's a lot going on in, in science these days, DNA this, DNA that, drugs this, drug that, and I, I think that while the clinical world, the treatment world is catching up with all the science and it trickles down to, the, to our loved ones at home who are suffering with Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease and multiple sclerosis, we are left with a day-to-day this crucial process of swallowing. So we feel very good that we're bringing knowledge that's immediately useful to people, even if the medicines aren't as effective as we would like them to do. And I know, Robert, in your in your practice, that's that's 
that's a main major thrust of what you seek to do, if I understand that correctly. That's exactly right. What kind of response have you been getting to the book, Swallow Safely? People have... <laughs> it, it reaffirms what we thought, which is... Part, let me back up just a moment. People these days know about the dangers of falling in the elderly, but they really don't realize that swallowing problems as well take the lives of tens of thousands of people. So part of what we have done and part of what we have had to do is to wake people up. This is important. So we, we are waking people up and people read that and they say, oh, gee, is, really? So when I, my eyes were watering, when I, when I was eating lunch and talking too much with my friends, that was something I should be concerned about. You bet your bottom dollar because that, that was probably when that food or drink hit your vocal cords and you were a whisper away from needing a Heimlich maneuver. So we are, we are, we, people have give, given us a lot of, a tremendous amount of, of feedback and I will say that uh, uh, we've had several re re reviews on Amazon.com and I will point out that these are not relatives, friends or acquaintances of ours and uh, those, those comments I think reflect the kind of response that we're getting. We are tremendously gratified and uh, we want to keep on uh, sharing this information with people. We'll be right back with authors Roya Sadate and Joel Herskowitz of Swallow Safely in just a moment. I'm Robert Rogers. Parkinson's Recovery provides a wide variety of resources to be able to give support to individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's. I write a, uh, a free uh, newsletter that comes out frequently which emphasizes natural, safe, and effective therapies. I'm coming out next month, that's August, with a free monthly magazine. The magazine's going to contain articles written by individuals who I've actually interviewed on my radio program over the last several years. I have a free symptom tracker. This is a program that allows you to go on in and at any time. It's an Internet program to track your symptoms so that you can acknowledge and celebrate improvement as it unfolds. There's a chat room that you can enter 24 hours a day, connect with other individuals to get ideas of what they're doing to get relief from their symptoms. I have a Parkinson's recovery blog. On the blog, I write a bit, and I also always post stories from individuals who talk about their incredible victories and what they have done to be able to get relief from their symptoms. If you find you're at a place where you get a bit depressed, a bit down, always go to the blog because you're going to find some incredibly optimistic stories of individuals who have found ways to get relief from their symptoms. You're listening to the radio program now. That means you found the radio program. You can always listen to the programs live and make sure everyone knows about that because everyone doesn't have a computer. You can call in the following number when the program is aired every week, Thursday mornings at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to 349-945-5358 and listen to the program live. Or, of course, you can always listen to the programs by connecting through your computer. The program is through the Internet because we want anyone who lives in any country across the globe to be able to connect and get the information they need to get relief from their symptoms. 
I sponsor a question and answer forum. That means you can submit a question anytime. It often inspires me to contact uh, uh, healthcare professionals and experts who can answer the questions. So submit your questions. We'll find an answer for you. I had many questions from individuals about summarizing everything that I had learned that really makes a difference to people who had the symptoms of Parkinson's. And so in response to that, I've prepared and written and published three books. So uh, the best of the best is contained in those books. Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease contains uh, the full range of ideas that I've discovered are making a difference to people. Pioneers of Recovery are interviews with individuals who have found relief from their symptoms, and some of them are actually fully recovered. Five Steps to Recovery is a book that contains all of what you need to do to transform your thought forms so that the foundation for recovery is then present. I also have a member uh, uh, program, Parkinson's Recovery Membership, which provides daily support. So there are daily updates and meditations for individuals who want to focus on a regular and a continuous basis so that they can get uh, begin to uh, feel better and recover even quicker. The Jumpstart to Wellness program is going to be sponsored in 2010 in San Diego, California, October 18th through 20th. We are there live in the flesh, and we provide support and information to give you the tools that you need to be able to get relief from your own symptoms. The people who attended the 2009 Jumpstart to Recovery program are indeed recovering, feeling better, getting relief from their symptoms. A lot of those stories I've actually posted on the Parkinson's Recovery blog, so I know the 2010 program is going to be just as successful. So you can find uh, answers to how do I get this information. Boy, that's a ton of resources. Where do I go? Where do I find all of that? You can find links on the main website, which is parkinsonsrecovery.com. That's the word www.parkinsons, without an apostrophe, joined together with the word recovery.com. You can also call toll-free at any time. That number is 877-526-4646. I'd be delighted to answer whatever questions you might have about the many different programs and resources we offer that uh, are intended and designed to give individuals support and uh, relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. Now back to my interview with Drs. Herchowitz and Sayede. Is there more to treatment than thickened liquids and pureed solids? Allow me to jump in for a moment, and, and it's really interesting. Roya will come home uh, from the office, and I should point out the, the office is not the office. The office where she sees patients is patients' homes because she's a speech-language pathologist with the Visiting Nurse Association. So she will come, come back from the office and, uh, and people hear the word swallowing difficulty. And, and another word for that, by the way, is dysphagia, swallowing difficulty or dysphagia. But the, the world at large has a knee-jerk reflex when they hear dysphagia. They think the SLP is going to prescribe icky, sticky, thickened liquids and pureed foods and you have a person who's used to eating pizza and a cheeseburger and next thing you know they're going to be sitting down to baby food three times a day you know having a stroke is bad enough but then they have to have this beloved food taken away from them it can be a real downer 
And uh, that's why, uh, yes, those thickened liquids can be life-saving, and the purees may be necessary to help deal with problem situations, but it does not necessarily have to be forever. And by, and absolutely other parts uh, of the treatment plan uh, are important, and that's something that Roya does day in and day out. I, I see patients at home. Uh, these language pathologists, they work in different settings. Uh, uh, acute care, um, outpatient, um, and um, at home. And uh, when, uh, when we see people at home, these are individuals who are not sick enough to be at the hospital and uh, they're not um, able enough to go out to the outpatient. And uh, that means usually these days, after a week <laughs> or three days, four days in the hospital, they've come back home. And, um, and so when they went to the hospital, usually it's been for a really critical care. Um, a lot of um, fear, anxiety, pain, and uh, sorrow. Um, and uh, that all surrounding um, major, um, major um, medical interventions. Often these people, um, you know, have had the diagnosis of dysphagia or swallowing problem, but they either didn't have the uh, mental energy to really absorb and um, digested or uh, as compared to other problems that the patient has um, seemed to the patient and their uh, caregivers that um, it was it, that the dysphagia or the swallowing problem is not that up that high um, that it can get booked for right now and uh, it is more for um, the quality of life that, okay, but we will address it later. Because, Robert, usually people with uh, Parkinson's disease are people, <laughs> uh, like the rest, I sh I'm sorry, I shouldn't say usually, <laughs> people with Parkinson's disease are people who are like the rest of us, and um, they have um, other diseases other than Parkinson's. The heart goes, the uh, I don't know, the blood sugar is different. Um, they might have seizure. They might have congestive heart failure. They might have um, uh, respiratory problems, COPD. And so, um, you, you know, stroke, cancer. Um, so the, they are struggling against many, many things. Here I get to visit um, this um, individual and the family, and um, I have to begin by explaining what the swallowing problem is. Um, again, like what we said before, um, often people don't even even if it is um, uh, if they were told at the hospital that you will see a speech pathologist, they will work with the patient um, on the swallowing. Still, people um, have the confusion of who is um, specialized to work on swallowing problems. 
And this comes from the experience that I am with the patient and the patient and the family, they say, well, you know, okay, thanks, you're here, but uh, we're thinking in a couple of weeks to see a sw swallowing specialist. So the first thing is for the patients and their families, I would like for them to know exactly um, what discipline they need to um, to to go to 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 get help, and uh, if they are having a speech language pathologist specialized in swallowing disorders, they are in the right place. And the first part of the treatment is to know about um, the swallowing, normal swallowing, and swallowing problems. People with Parkinson's disease, one of the first things that uh, they um, lose is the sense of um, sense of smell. Um, very different than some you know, other patients. So that's that that can be um, an integral part of treatment. So here, you know, if this we're, if we're, we're thinking about the setting uh, after learning about what swallowing problems are normal and abnormal in. Uh, Parkinson's disease, okay, what the setting can offer. Um, we, can, we can change the environment in such a way that would, would help with, um, w you know, with this mechanism of swallowing. Um, another very important uh, and integral part of the treatment is uh, um, uh, the way that the person is sitting, the positioning. That's very important. We that can be detrimental to the patient if it is not right. Again, that should be considered when when we say, let's say, you have to sit upright to eat, for example. And then it comes down to each person being different, and they have their own issues. Um, uh, for positioning, so that should be assessed, and the right treatment um, should be provided. Another um, aspect of treatment is to change the um, type of the consistency uh, of the food, depending on what is right and appropriate for the patient at that uh, at the stage that they are in. Um, Another treatment uh, aspect is to um, develop and provide um, uh, strategies that uh, uh, would uh, enhance the safety of swallowing. There are um, specific swallowing maneuvers that uh, can be taught. There are swallowing exercises that um, can be developed and taught. Um, uh, the swallow reflex that um, we were talking about uh, at a certain stage of uh, mm, progress of uh, Parkinson's disease, that swallow reflex uh, diminishes. There are mm, sensory stimulation uh, techniques for um, helping um, triggering the swallow reflex. Um, so um, treatment is multifaceted from from all these swallowing parts that we were talking about, and, you know, all these different um, aspects that we were talking about, to breathing. 
you know, often I'm working with my patients on simple breathing, different types of breathing, um, coordinating the breath with the voice, and uh, you know, it's often it's strange to people that okay, you know, we're t- we're talking about swallowing. Why are you making me breathe? I have had occasions that uh, a family member um, uh, would uh, would be. Um, at the visit, you know, very first visit, and with excitement they say, oh, I want to be here and see you swallow that first bite. And I have to explain, no, 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 we're not going to have that now. It's just like a tennis player um, who is uh, um, practicing for for a tennis um, match. They're they're not practicing that last winning shot. Maybe they're lying down and... uh, I don't know, stretching their hamstring right now. Treatment um, is uh, multifaceted, and uh, it cannot be done and delivered only by the speech-language pathologist. It's a um, synchronized um, relationship between the clinician and the patient, and I mm, should add that the caregiver, the family members are enormously important they are so integral part if if their uh, attention focus is somewhere else um, it can be detrimental to the treatment or it can be limiting to the treatment and if their attention and um, interest is with uh, with the progress they are so important um, in terms of uh, uh, patient's um, progress. And uh. and I think that that's where our book comes in because there's only so much that Roya or another speech-language pathologist can do. But uh, you know, our book takes about an hour and a half to read. It's written with big print. It's very reader-friendly. We have illustrations. Um, I'm not plugging the book so much as plugging the information. This is mm-hmm. This is the one source that pulls it all together and um, it's the kind of thing that, that, as Roy emphasizes, the team aspect, uh, it's super important, and information is absolutely key. And uh, if um, perhaps in some situations uh, a uh, privately uh, uh, paid person is taking care of the patient in addition to um, relatives, uh, you know, daughters, wives, um, husbands, sons. Um, that uh, third per- party also is extremely important. Uh, uh, that sometimes uh, the mm, privately paid aides are so helpful in uh, what uh, I am providing, and sometimes uh, uh, I have major challenges. Um, I'm going to jump in to say that um, to, to emphasize what Roy is saying is is one would assume that a trained, certified medical uh, aide or assistant uh, has been trained in swallowing. But I got a fancy schmancy book from the library for a sort of sort of to help people get certified as uh, nursing assistant, and I looked in the index for swallowing. There was nothing and looked in the index for choking and there was nothing. So please do not assume that a hired nurse or, or nurse's aide knows 
more than a little bit about swallowing. Yes, it's uh, and it is a challenge for for me for us because uh, um, when it comes to feeding a, a nurse's aide um, or a nurse, they might think, "What are you talking about? You are teaching me how to feed." Now, when it comes to feeding, um, we this is not just a um, uh, not just a mechanical operation. Yes, it's not a typical feeding. This is a therapeutic feeding, and uh, and um, in, in, it uh, unfortunately it is uh, difficult to 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 pass the information uh, in a way that um, we would like. I would like for a nurse's aide um, to have because they're not. Um, formally trained. That's unfortunate, Robert. That is unfortunate. Uh, a nurse's aide is formally trained, for example, um, hopefully for infection control or hopefully for uh, fall prevention and um, for, mm, I don't know, personal uh, care of the patient. But unfortunately, there's no absolutely absent treat, uh, uh, education on um, on swallowing and often people think that when you put the food in the mouth it's just and it goes down it's just you know it goes down it's a pipe like the plumbing and it just goes down on its own and the problem is that um, because we are not even able to see um, where the food goes because you know we don't have x-ray vision the food doesn't actually go down to the esophagus, and a speech-language pathologist who's skilled and trained, we we have you know training for this. We know that it didn't go down. It's sitting in the um, in the throat, in the pharynx, in different parts of this anatomy, and is uh, ready to cause problem for for the patients. And then you have the family member or the um, uh, you know, uneducated aid, uh, uneducated. I mean, in the uh, swallowing area, that um, they um, might think that okay, you know, what are you talking about? The food didn't go down. I put it in his mouth, <laughs> chewed and swallowed. It's down. What are you talking about? And then, you know, Robert. Then this is uh, we're talking about uh, 50 minutes to one hour of treatment and. Um, um, it's um, it, the person who is um, hurt here is 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 the patient. Um, you know, when uh, when the speech language pathologist is not around, then the compliance um, can go down if there is no knowledge. Um, if there is no knowledge, and uh, especially. If um, if the person is at a nursing home or at a hospital, then the aides um, they have um, time limitation as well, um, and um, unfortunately the uh, pressure is on nutrition. So, for example, um, the tray is checked how much how much food the patient has consumed, but nobody knows how how half of this, um, you know, plate went down. Was it forced down? And, um, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, there, there, 
multiple factors um, that uh, should be considered. Um, patients often are fed when they are half alert, uh, poor positioning, um, the, the food is not um, introduced to the mouth properly, and um, it, uh, it is difficult and sad. What is the success rate for people who have been able to solve and correct problems that they have with swallowing? Each stage of, of the disorder has its own characteristics. So for each stage, uh, we can have um, management uh, uh, methods. And for that stage, the management methods should respond. That's a great point, which is that uh, you, not only is care individualized from one person to another, but because a disorder such as Parkinson's disease itself uh, goes through a sequence, that periodic reassessment and modification of the treatment plan is, is the norm. I mean, it's not, it's not the same plan throughout. It really has to be adjusted uh, each step of the way, and as Roy was saying, that a, a, a workable, helpful treatment plan can be devised each step of the way. What should a person do if they suspect that a loved one has a swallowing problem? What should they do? What steps can they take? Well, we have made available, um, uh, without any charge, a, a letter for the doctor that we invite people to get a hold of, uh, and that's a, a nice summary of the kinds of symptoms uh, to look for, such as, as Roy was explaining, the watery eyes or the runny nose or the frequent throat clearing. And that can be accessed through the website uh, swallowsafely.com. And if you'll go from the main page of swallowsafely.com, on the left there's a column that says about the book. And at the bottom of that, are a series of choices, and one of them is to click on to a downloadable and printable letter for your doctor. So once again, go to www.swallowsafely.com, go to about the author, I'm sorry, about the uh, book, and at the bottom of the page is a letter for your doctor. And fill that out and bring it to the doctor, and that way the doctor can get a handle on it and know whether to consult with an SLP or not. Tell everybody more about your book. How can people get it, and what do they get when they get it? The, the book is Swallow Safely, and it is available uh, most quickly, readily, and speedily through the website, uh, swallowsafely.com. It's $14.95. It is written in nice, reader-friendly, somewhat large uh, type. And uh, it's basic information. It's fun to read. Uh, it takes an hour to an hour and a half or two hours. Um, it's also available through Amazon.com, um, uh, but it's a little more speedily obtained uh, through the website. And if people have any questions, they should feel free to contact us through swallowsafely at AOL.com, swallowsafely at AOL.com. And um, this, uh, the, the 
this book is um, is a guide. It's um, it's a guide for for you for whoever who is uh, reading it. So it's uh, your own guide. Um, it um, gives you a chance to um, have with your own time review, read, and review and learn um, what is important about swallowing and uh, and and uh, to form your um, your own questions and uh, just like what Joel said about the letter um, to to go to your um, clinician uh, your physician informed um, if um, if you if you um, uh, just like right now that uh, I lost my train of thought under pressure, uh, a person with um, disease and problems and their family members, they are under pressure. And under pressure, you forget the important uh, things that you wanted to say to the doctor. Um, you forget to organize your thoughts in a, uh, in a way that would carry the information. So it is it is helpful for you to to be able to mm, have a have the concrete information not take the problems lightly it sounds like the kind of therapy work that you do really needs to be done in person but i still need to ask do you, are you available either of you for long distance consultations for people who have the symptoms of uh, parkinson's who like to be able to explore swallowing channel challenges they may have i, I think that that we would be happy to answer a few questions um, more likely than not direct them to our book and also direct them to a hands-on professional and we would be delighted to engage with people uh, and try to be of help. And uh, the, um, the Speech Language Pathologist Organization, American Speech um, Hearing Language... Um, uh, ASHA, A-S-H-A. Mm -hmm. Tremendous resource, tremendous resource. They, um, they have um, all the information. They have a lot of information and, and the people that we would likely be recommending are ASHA board certified, so that, that buzzword will probably come up uh, quite regularly. I have a question I really want to ask each of you. What is the one thing you would like listeners to remember from this interview? I'm going to go first. I'm going to jump ahead. The word mindful sh should be applied to many, many facets of our living, and if we can apply mindfulness to different aspects of our life, our lives will be better, and that absolutely goes true, holds true for swallowing. And I'll, I'll conclude with one anecdote. Roya came home, and, and she said that she was following up on an 80-year-old woman, and she said, um, how, how is your swallowing? Have you, had any, have you had any choking? And the woman said, no, ever since I've been swallowing mindfully. I would like to add that um, uh, although I fully support um, it, the idea of surrendering and accepting um, 
and looking at uh, problems with courage, um, um, I am. I would like to recommend not to um, be resigned, uh, not to say, "What do you expect? I am old. What do you expect? I have this um, uh, degenerative disease." When there is time for it, um, it's fine, but uh, please make your um, decision based on um, information and have an educated decision. One last thing is that um, for patients and um, families, um, it is good to decide and be aware of what kind of uh, values and decisions they would like to make um, at the end of life and uh, help the clinicians um, to understand that because their decisions would make a difference in terms of uh, treatment choices that mm, we, um, we would make. And again, the book helps people to um, think about these very difficult subject matter, ma matters um, ahead of time and be comfortable about it. I want to uh, personally applaud uh, each of you for undertaking this most important task. There is nothing like this out there. And uh, it's, it's refreshing to know that it's finally available for individuals. Clearly, pneumonia is one of the primary reasons why people actually die who have the symptoms of Parkinson's. And very clearly, from your explanations today, that's related to swallowing challenges. So on behalf of all the listeners, I want to thank uh, both you, Dr. Roya Sayede, and you, Dr. Joel Herskowitz, both the uh, authors of Swallow Safely, for being with me today. We appreciate it. You're very welcome, Robert. It's been our pleasure. And let me remind everyone, uh, the website where you can get additional information about the book as well as the letter for your doctor is www.swallowsafely.com. That's spelled S-W-A-L-L-O-W-S-A-F-E-L-Y.com. The book is readily available through Amazon.com. And uh, it's very clear that if you uh, are a loved one and know that a person in your family has swallowing problems, this is the place to go and the book to get in order to get the information that's going to be a life-saving uh, resource. Again, thanks so much for being with me today. What two actions, then, can you take today to get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's? The first action I want to recommend is purchase a copy of Swallow Safely. The second recommendation I have is register for our Jumpstart to Wellness program to be held in 2010, October 18th through 20th in San Diego, California. This is Robert Rogers. You've connected with Parkinson's Recovery, and that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that you are on the road to recovery. Good day.